Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Self Love Club, a place where boss babes share their stories to empower women. Welcome to the Self Love Club podcast. I'm Val Crawford and you can find out more about why I've launched this club at valcrawford.com. I'd love for you to join it and trust me, it's not like a cult or pyramid scheme. It's literally just a club where you can come hang out. It's going to be a fun time. Join me for a podcast series where we'll hear the stories of girl boss women who are doing super cool things with their lives. We'll find out how they've done what they have, their self-love and self-care practices and they'll share their tips to empower you to live your best life. Olivia Scott changed her lifestyle while studying at uni and started making raw cakes in a borrowed kitchen. This quickly turned into a much bigger business across multiple stores. Olivia is a business boss and has coached businesses, written a book and is a Reiki healer. We are so lucky to have Olivia share her story and girl boss advice on the Self Love Club podcast. Olivia Scott, welcome to the Self Love Club podcast. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out. Thank you for having me. Oh, of course. Now, I was telling you the story and we worked out it was actually a really long time ago now. <laughs> it's funny how fa- like time goes fast. You're like, oh, it wasn't that long ago. But Three years was, turned yeah, into like, yeah. I know. There was an event I saw you speak at. Um, it was at Lululemon or something and you were talking about like, how you came to create your business and everything and how that all came about. So maybe take us through uh, through, uh, through that story first. Yeah, sure. Okay. So I was, well, I guess it really started when I was about 19 years old um, and I was a uni student down in Wellington and I was living the student life. So I was partying um, a lot, drinking a lot. It was just sort of the nature of the um, of the group of friends I was hanging out with and the nature of the uni life, I guess. Um, drinking a lot of coffee, uh, relying on coffee to get through exams, eating not terrible food, what I thought was healthy at the time. But I guess after two or three years of living that way, I got to the point where I felt like I needed to change something. And I would wake up um, on the weekend and just think it just didn't feel, something didn't quite feel right. Um, And I started to dig around and kind of got fed up with trying a whole lot of different things. Um, The doing a lemon detox diet to feel better or whatever it was at the time that everyone was saying was going to be life-changing, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I was, I was pretty young, but I started uh, researching into the benefits of food and the nutritional side of food and what I was doing wrong at the time. And I kind of got frustrated with it all and said, well, look, I'm just going to strip out everything. I'm going to stop drinking alcohol. I'm going to start eating fruits and vegetables every single meal. Um, I know it's not um, rocket science, but at the time, surrounded with that environment I was in, it was a little bit um, rebellious. My friends were kind of like, what's wrong with her? She's not coming out anymore. She's staying at home and she's meditating, doing all these weird woo-woo things. Um, But it changed my life dramatically and in ways that I didn't even think that it would. Um, I did not, you know, the whole saying you don't know what you don't know. It was kind of like that, all these 
layers started stripping away and I was slowly realigning, I think, with my true self that I had masked for, you know, you know how you have self-soothing coffee, alcohol, um, shopping, yeah. like these things that we do. I, I stripped all that out and I've started to feel like a completely new person or maybe not a new person, but who I really was. Mm. Um, and so I, that was the start of the journey. And I carried on along that journey and went through the uh, the highs and the lows and the struggles of um, starting to not get invited to things because I had changed my life so dramatically and my mindset had shifted a lot and I no longer wanted to be doing those things. And it was it was a little bit of a hard time, but I also knew that deep down it was changing me in such a huge way, like a really deep way that I just had to keep going. Mm. Um, and then I guess two or so years later, I moved back to Auckland having finished my degree. I'm still hugely on this path having learned a lot more at that stage um, around how nutrition affects us, how thoughts affect us, the whole spiritual side to it as well. Um, And I started my business, The Raw Kitchen. So I guess the business started based on all the knowledge that I had learned at that kind of young age and just so desperately wanting to share that with people or at least give them a taster of how – how it could feel to introduce new ways or different ways of eating and thinking. Yeah. yeah. So we'll go to more about your business soon and through mm. the Royal Kitchen and what you do. But like, I think that's a really relatable thing when you're, you know, at, uh, at studying or a teenager and your friends are all doing these things mm. and, you know, you're deciding you don't really want to go out drinking anymore. You really want to eat nourishing food, which when you're a student, we all know from being there, like <laughs> you're not always eating the best, you know, like, and you don't always have what you think is the budget to eat really healthy either mm. when, you know, we know that you can work around that. But you know, it can be really hard. And you're saying, you know, you didn't get started not getting invited <laughs> to things. Like, was it hard, even though you knew it was making you feel really good and it was what was right for you, mm. was it really hard when you were at that age where everyone's doing this other stuff and you weren't? Like, was that, did it feel quite like, did you feel a bit alone or something? I um I definitely did feel alone at times, but I think, and there were probably times where I got into a bit of a rut with it all, thinking, is it even really worth it or should I just go out and have fun? And there were absolutely times where I thought, hey, I'll just go and have a few glasses of wine, have some fun. And that's kind of how I I eased into it, I guess. But after ta- after a while where I did really see those benefits, um, that clarity and that peace of mind and that sense of self had become a lot stronger, I began to feel more... Um, like it was really more what I wanted anyway. And I would see my friends and flatmates come home and sleep till midday and eat terrible food and remembering how that felt. Um, not to say that there's anything wrong with that at all, mm. because to this day I still do go out and have nights out and that's absolutely fine. But at that time of my life, it was just a pivotal time where I realised there was just more to what meets the eye when yeah. it comes to how old were you? Because that's like pretty young to work that out. Like some of us took a long time to work that out, you know. Um, 
So I think I would have been around 20. Wow, well done. That's really big because I think around that age we're all sort of like, yeah, getting into partying and, yeah. you know, and then it can take, you can, we, I, I know for myself, like being just like, it, I felt like a slow learner with it. Like I was just like, you know, for years and years and years and I was like, I can't handle this. Like I just feel crap. And you're like, you know, the thing the next day, you just ride off the day and eat crappy food and it can just, I don't like that feeling. You know, like I've decided like in the last few years it just, it feels good to feel good in your body and clear and clean and not be like foggy from it all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's times like, obviously, if you, uh, you go to a wedding or a huge celebration, then absolutely like let loose and have fun because it's about balance as well. I think it's just about having that awareness of your own limits and knowing that, yeah, you'll have a big weekend or a big night at this wedding, but you know that you're going to return to centre next week and focus on self-care and make yourself make sure you're feeling good. Yeah, and what yeah. are some of the changes you did notice in yourself? You've talked about how, like, you became more even spiritually aware, but, like, how did you – what sort of changes did you notice in your life and within yourself? I guess the first thing is that my relationship with myself changed and I, I had never really understood the importance of getting to know yourself or taking care of yourself first. I've all, I'd always just, you know, just chappily trucking along, um, I guess making sure I was crossing my T's, dotting my I's. Yeah. Um, with life, going to uni, just going along this path, but I had never really had my eyes opened to actually having a deeper connection with myself um, and focusing on what, focusing those on those little pings, you know, those little ideas you get, um, when you're in tune that really expand your horizons and your mind. Um, it was that, but then that flowed into my relationships. I was having much deeper conversations and relationships with everyone around me, including my family. Um, and then it was just also, like I mentioned, that clarity and that sense of peace and ease. And I think, you know, when you're in flow and everything just sort of falls into place and you have that, your trust muscle with the universe kind of opens up and you just know that everything is going to be okay you know there's going to be challenges but you'll be okay that faith in the universe I think is also what opened up to me during that time um I might not have been able to articulate it like that back then yeah um but now that I look back I see that's what did happen and it was just a flow and effect from and there. it really is like your journey of self-care isn't it like that it's incredible I mean we know that food influences how we feel but like you know the way you were eating and the way you were living it was that's your self-care and so you obviously learned the you probably knew that growing up as well but like you really that was you learning the importance of self-care and how it really helped you and your body and everything mm. so from there you moved back to Auckland and sort of what happened from there so I I started I started a new um, diploma in nutrition um, so I, so I decided that this was going to be my path. Previously, I, I always thought that I would have a career in marketing and um, fashion. I actually got a really great job back up in Auckland and I moved back to Auckland for the job, worked in it for six months and thought, you know what, this is just not aligned anymore. I need to follow my, trust my gut with this. Um, so I started studying nutrition and whilst I was in my first year at nutrition, I started my business, The Raw Kitchen. Um, and that was a, a side project. I had a lot of... Um, I had a lot of energy <laughs> that I didn't know what to put into and yeah. I had a lot of um, creative energy that I just needed to funnel into a project. So I thought, well, this is a product that I really wish was out there right now. I want someone to m make something 
someone who was making something healthy but also making it cool and modern and fresh at the same time. So I thought I had nothing to lose. I literally was probably living off $200 a week from my student allowance. So it wasn't a huge splash, but I did so I had an Instagram account and I had um I was working at um the fresh market series fresh market so I was able to get nuts a little cheaper than usual nuts and seeds and fruits and things so I made a few cakes put them on my Instagram and started calling myself a business and then what did you call there. it back then? Was it always the raw kitchen? It was always the raw kitchen. That's so, I love when I, that happens. You know, like sometimes people will change a name when it grows into this yeah. bigger thing. But that's so you called it the raw kitchen. Yeah, it was always the raw kitchen. It was either I remember I had gone down to two names. It was either nourish, which now I look back, I'm like, thank God I didn't call it that. Not that there's anything wrong. I feel like there's a lot of that. Like yeah. I've heard that name before, <laughs> but the raw kitchen sort of stands out, really, isn't it? Yeah, and it is what it is. It is the raw kitchen. So. Yeah. Um. I did. I posted this, these cakes on Instagram, and Instagram was very different back then. There were no algorithms. What, what year was this? Um, it was two thousand. So I was six years. Two thousand thirteen. Yeah, Instagram was different back then, wasn't yeah, it? Way yeah. Different. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I posted something. Everyone saw it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it just grew. I think it was about eight months later. I had to actually leave my diploma at the time to go full time into my business and. Um, and we, I had at that time built up a clientele, uh, of wholesale customers. I was selling treats to and selling to, um, which was actually my main bread and butter at, at that time it ended up being a lot bigger than I had anticipated. Um, and then I had my private cake clients and then it just grew from there. Yeah. That, so you were making like raw cakes and raw treats. Yeah. And so how did you formulate all the recipes for all this? I, it just came to me. I think it was um, a little bit, a little bit, a lot to do with my uh, meditation and the clarity and the ideas that I was getting through my meditations at that time were just pointing me all in this direction. And it was like I was getting ideas after ideas. And I would, I still like it to this day have, um, don't have a problem with being able to create a recipe. And that came to me during that time. And um, yeah, really weird combinations. I remember there was like a beetroot spirulina cacao cake, which sounds a bit weird now, but back then it was um, it was one of our popular ones. And yeah, just it did come to me at that time. So you started making these cakes while you were still studying. Like, what was where were you doing it? So I started. Um, I was living around K Road at the time, and there was a little cafe nearby called uh, Honey Trap. And it was run by two sisters and they were quite, it was quite a small business. It was just them. And I went in there one day and said, would you guys allow me to use your kitchen at nighttime in exchange for a jar of bliss balls that you could sell in your cafe? And I was just so lucky that they said yes, because if they said no, I don't know if I would have had the tenacity to keep going. But um, it was like my, it was a, it was a really big barrier at that time because I had to have a commercial kitchen that was licensed yeah. and I had to have all the equipment. To be able to sell things, right? To be able to sell food, yeah, um, as a business. So, I, and I didn't, and around that time I was like, you know, I had no idea what I was getting myself into and I was just so lucky they said yes because I skipped a lot of what would have been um, setup costs if I wanted to do it seriously. Um, so they let me use it on the nights I had orders and then I would take them home with me and deliver them the next morning. How many, so it sort of started growing until it became obviously your 
your, I mean, it was a business then, but like till it became a lot bigger. Mm. But how, like, so how did it grow and how long did it take to sort of build up these clientele? It was pretty quick. I was, I really hustled during that time to um, approach any cafe that I think would be interested in selling my products. Um, well, I guess in a way I, I approached any of the cool cafes <laughs> and because I knew at that time that I was, if I was able to cross promote and say my cakes are selling here, then it would kind of raise awareness of the brand and the business. Um, and that worked. And then people started coming to me asking for the products. And at that time there was nothing else really around. It was sort of kind of this underground mm. thing. No one really, there was, you couldn't really go to the supermarkets or cafes now and buy it like you can today. Um, and then so from there I opened, I had a stall at the Lassagal Markets for about two years, but about um, six months into having a stall at Lassagal, it had um, it had been so successful that I had saved up enough money to open my first shop on Ponsonby Road. Well done. That's huge. And so so from start to when that happened, how long was that? It was about maybe just over a year. That's, that's so cool. Well done. <laughs> Did you ever busy. did you ever expect that to happen? Like you, when you started mm. doing it, was it a side hustle or was it something you thought might grow into a your job? It's something that I knew wanted to be bigger, but I wasn't sure how or what it would look like. And yeah. it really did change and evolve so much. You know, it changed from to a wholesale um, business, then to a market business, then to a cafe. And I I was kind of just naturally, kind of organically seeing where it was going and what I wanted to do at the time. Um, but I wouldn't have thought where it would be now is where I was going. Yeah, and so like from starting making these cakes on the side when you were studying in someone else's kitchen to that, have there been like big, obviously you would have learned so much in that time, but have there been big lessons along the way Like and like so many things to learn? I know when you start something out as a brand or a business, it can be like, you know, you're just doing it and then all of a sudden it can grow really quickly and then you've got to work out how to do like, business things and you know like <laughs> pay tax and like totally. invoice and all that stuff did you find it quite overwhelming or was it like quite stressful for you um there have definitely been some huge lessons um I'm, I've always been the person that has has wanted to do everything myself so if if someone's like oh you need a lawyer for that project I'm like well I'm just gonna go and figure it all out first for myself <laughs> and then I'll see if I want a lawyer but you know I've wanted to learn everything it's almost like this this insatiable need to understand how it all works it's there have definitely been hugely challenging times um and the growth it has been I mean you can I feel like in business you can only grow as far as you can see and it's almost been since I was so young growing that business I have been I've had to up level so much in order to have the capacity to hold even where the business is at um so it's meant a lot of self-work and like um, growing myself in order to meet the business. There have been times where I've had like 13 staff members and been younger than most of them and had to have to figure out how to navigate different personalities and landlords and leases and, you know, the works. It's yeah. been six years now um, and I... I didn't, like I said, you just don't know what you don't know. So I just dove headfirst into it and had to figure it all out later. Yeah. I mean, that just going through that, that sounds like enough to freak anyone out. Like that's a <laughs> lot of responsibility, you know, like mm. 13 staff. And at the time, how old were you? Um, Probably 22. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that would have been like, again, and, and 
sort of the decision to open multiple stores, was that just because it was growing and you were able to do that? Yeah, it just at those times felt like the natural next step for where we were at at the time. That's really cool because a lot of time you'll be like, you know, we'll stick with one because that can seem like a big enough thing, but then managing multiple, like, <laughs> I don't, I'm like in awe of you. I'm like, how do you do all that? Yeah. yeah I think you, I le- you learn to compartmentalise areas so you can focus on one without being distracted by all the other things mm, going on. Yeah. yeah. What have been some of the biggest challenges that you don't mind sharing with us about the raw kitchen and, and about your business and as it's grown over six years? Mm, I, I think it is part wanting to be and show up as the best person possible, but also realising that you can't always and that there will be failures. Um, that has been a huge part of my journey and it still is to this day, like understanding that the business is an entity on its own and I think when I realised that, which is about two years into the business, that in order for the business to grow, I had to separate myself from it because I was almost holding it back. I had to see it as its, as its own entity, has its own personality, it is has its own loyal following of customers and as soon as I realised that, it helped me to kind of look at things with a bit more of a business mind Um and then it allowed me to open up space in my own personal life and think, okay, well, now I need to actually focus on my personal life because it's been everything was in my business for a I long bet. time. Yeah, you're just like pouring it into that. And mm. yeah, and so, yeah, so you obviously learned that. And like, what about like the learning all the business stuff? Did you end up getting mentors or like, how did you do all that? Um, I guess I was really lucky in the fact that I, my dad has always been in business. So he was sort of able to help in a way it was sort of one of those things where it was like no one will understand my business like I do and I want to figure out what's going to be the best for it so I guess taking tidbits from my dad and um, a partner I had at the time he was incredibly helpful had some insights and then I had a a business consultant that I worked with for about a year there Um, it was and also learning just by listening to podcasts reading books all of that um if there was something I was struggling with, I would just Google the heck out of it and try and come to a, a resolution on my yeah. own. Yeah, and it's crazy how much you can teach yourself on Google. Mm. Like when it comes to like websites, like I know like learning to build a website, I learned all of that online. Like, exactly. you know, like you just squares, but Google Squarespace stuff and you find it, you know, like or, or lots of different things or just asking for help. But it, it can seem a bit overwhelming, but like you say, I think I kind of know what you mean. Like you had this idea and it was like you knew what you had to do, but you kind of had to work it out along the way and then it just became. And that's really cool to see. Mm-hmm. It's a really organic thing. And so now how what's it like looking back now and where you're at at this point, you know? Yeah, it's pretty crazy because I think I have grown up a lot over that time. It's almost like I started it as, you know, what felt like maybe a teenager or like early 20s and then now I'm – 20, turning 27 soon and I feel like I've spent a lot of my 20s with this business and it's and it's been really um nice having that constant I guess thing there it's like you know when you have family that are always there and you go through the hard times and the good times together and yeah it's pretty amazing looking back and looking at all the things that the business has achieved um and what it has taught me, I feel really lucky to have had that business teach me a hell of a lot um, about business and myself yeah. as well. Mm. What did you find that it taught you about yourself? Um, 
I think that it, in through the challenges, and I mean the great times are always good. Um, you got to enjoy those moments, but the the hard times really brought out in me um, a strength that I didn't know was there, and sometimes you have those uncomfortable moments in business when you're like, holy crap, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to pay all the bills this month. And living in that uncertainty really builds your strength and you learn to really trust that everything will be okay. But, um, yeah, I think that's been a huge lesson now that I look back after six years. It has been um, a roller coaster. Yeah, well, you did start it very young. You should be really proud of yourself, honestly. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and I imagine it is like, you know, anything, especially being able to successfully go through it and all the changes. You know, you've had a couple of changes in, in your locations and, and the growth and everything. But, yeah, what's been some of the biggest things you've taken away from that time? I think I think a huge lesson that I've learned is that if you do have an idea – to follow it regardless of whether it actually does succeed or fail because within the raw kitchen there have been multiple ventures like for example we launched a juice cleanse range and we we opened a store here and did this and did that and within that framework of the raw kitchen there have been successes and failures but I would never wish that I didn't do the ones that failed because what it taught me was probably a lot more than what the success stories did um, so I guess a, a huge takeaway that I have learned from having this business is that just do it anyway because no matter what happens will be an experience that you'll take with you and learn so much from. Yeah, that's definitely really, really good advice for anyone, I guess, who's wanting to start something. or And, and that's the thing with a lot of businesses. It can be just like an organic thing that you start doing. And then, mm. yeah, I, I understand what you're doing because I sort of have done this with this podcast and it's sort of like, you start doing something because it feels natural and just normal to you and then it becomes something bigger and you're like, mm. you just go with it and it feels right in your gut. So, yeah, I guess that's really great advice to anyone who's is thinking about starting something. What would your advice be to them on just, you know, obviously you're just saying do it and get started, but if someone's got an idea and really wants to do something, whatever it is, what would you say to them? I guess what's really important is being very clear around what exactly you want to do and how it will happen, how it will fit, how you how you'll run it, what what will you do if this happens? Have like a success plan and a failure plan and do seek advice. I mean, I know I just said I didn't really try to seek advice, but do ask questions and do ask for help. Um, and if it's a if it's a business that you're planning on starting, tell people and see how it lands. I mean, I would always run an idea that I had past 10 different people just to kind of feel into where it would sit with them and give me that feedback around um, how I would market it, how I'd position it and maybe the the parts that would be incredibly important to have around that product and the parts that maybe weren't so important mm, to have. Definitely. And what about for yourself as well? Obviously, this is all your like your career business side. But as a person, like, what is it? Has it been a big journey for you? Obviously, it's been a big journey for you and like learning about yourself. What have been some of the biggest things you've learned about yourself? Um, what I learned along the way, or what has been a huge eye opener, is that the as, as good as I feel in myself will be a direct reflection of what I'm able to produce. So if I'm feeling 
a little bit um, insecure about something or not feeling in my worth or feeling like I, I'm needing to up-level in an area, uh, the work that I put out will reflect that. So something that I started working on a few years into the business is figuring out the blocks that I did have um, that might have come from childhood or being a teenager or whatever it was. The blocks that I personally had that were stopping me from going further, both personally and in my business. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like, so how did you, how did you overcome and deal with those things? So having um, things set up in my life that I knew I could rely on, like um, <laughs> it seems simple, but going for a nature walk mm. or having a podcast to listen to or having a friend to call on the phone or knowing when it was time to just do nothing um, or having all of those tools in place to remind me how to get back to centre um, was really helpful because it's in business or even in any job or career, it is so easy just to get stuck in the work and kind of forget about mm, looking after yourself and definitely. It kind of overwhelming you. And um, yeah, I think having those tools in place to just know when you need to take a step back. Yeah, definitely. Important. I've learned that um, as well. Self-care is so important, you know, like, and totally you're, you're hustling and you're working so hard on something you're really passionate and you love and, Sometimes that can come to the detriment of your own self-care and then you can get mm -hmm. sick and run down. And then, yeah, like you say, you're not going to be putting out your best work. So what are some of yourself? You've talked through some of those, which I like. Yes, yes, yes. I love all those <laughs> things. But what are some of your self-care things you do for yourself, like on a daily basis or regular basis, whether it be with your, your food or like just anything really, mm. things that you know you need to do to keep Olivia feeling really good? Something that I know I need to do is keep my fridge stocked with healthy food. Um, I now have to religiously make sure I do this, and it's an enjoyable thing to do, but even if I'm busy, I make sure I go to the markets on a Saturday and pick up my produce because it sets me up for the week, and I know that without a doubt, as soon as the week starts, if I don't have that food in the fridge or in the pantry, then I just rely on takeout, which, you know, you can find healthy takeout, these days, that's that is not the thing. It's about the preparing of the food, and I find that incredibly grounding mm. and healing. And knowing that you're making this food that with your hands, and you not you're peeling the kumara or chopping the tomato or whatever it is, is a huge way for me to recenter at the end of the day. And even if it's just a roast veggies in the oven done in twenty minutes, if it's if I'm starving, at least. I have that moment where I can ground back. Totally. Um, and it seems like a simple thing, but it really has changed my life and it changes my week, you know. Um, so that's one thing that I do. And then I have a dog and he's almost like my medicine. Aww. <laughs> you know, when you're busy and you get through, the, you get home at the end of the day and you're rushing to get something to eat and then you have a shower or do whatever, yeah. catch up on emails. I physically have to go, okay, just five minutes with Luca and I lie on the floor and just hug him. And it is amazing. The more I've done that and the and I mean, even if you don't have a pet, it's almost just even lying on the floor is nice. <laughs> oh my god, yes. I'm always sitting or lying on the floor. Yeah. There's something very grounding about it, isn't there? There is. <laughs> just lying with your belly on the floor. <laughs> like no phone. Just, you know, having that time, just five minutes. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
is hu- super healing for me. Yeah, it's such simple things. And what about like exercise? Are there things you like, whether it be going for walks or doing anything else? Is there things that you like to do regularly for yourself? Is yeah. that moving? I find for me, I know moving my body is really important. Yeah, you know? totally. That mind-body connection. Mm. Um, for a long time, I was religiously a uh, yogi and I did my yoga training, was even teaching it for a, a while. But now I've learned that just tuning into my body is best. So if I feel like yoga, I'll go do the yoga. Mm. If I feel like actually lifting weights or doing high intensity, I'll I'll do that. But definitely moving my body some in wh- some way, shape or form every day is mm. hugely important. Sometimes it's just to walk around the block with my dog and that's enough. Yeah, definitely. But, um, yeah, that mind-body connection is so important. Yeah. For, um, yeah. I totally agree because it's like I think a lot of the time you can be really people can be really hard on themselves with exercise and you're like I have to be doing this many high intensity classes or workouts but I'm much the same as you like if I I'll I'll, I'll exercise every day but I just listen to what my body is up to doing and I'm like okay it's a walk on the beach day or it's a yoga or it's a yeah like a hit class or whatever but Mm -hmm. I think that's an important lesson and that's something I try to share with people as well is like don't just thrash your body you need to actually listen to what it needs so you don't just burn yourself out, you know? Totally, and that's it. And that's yeah. what does happen is, um, and I can relate, and I'm sure a lot of people can, is when you do those high-intensity classes, the first few weeks you're like, yes, I feel awesome, let's keep going. <laughs> and then after a few months your body's like, man, I don't want this anymore. And you become tired and people get fatigued and sometimes there's hormone issues that get, you know, start. And it's about like, yes, totally go hard and enjoy those high intensity classes, but just don't overdo it. Like mix it up with some lower gentle yoga, Pilates, all of that to still get that mind body, but just, um, more of a long-term approach than yeah, a short-term. Definitely. And I think then as well, when you're into that mindset of doing all those classes and things, you can get quite like, or just gymming, uh, everyone, you can, I don't know, some people can be quite hard on themselves. I know I can. You're just like, oh, I didn't do that class like today. I, oh, it's so bad. You know, you get guilty about it. Uh, so I think, yeah, if you are tapping into your body and doing things that you know aren't going to burn yourself out so much, it's really important. Uh, what about you're also, um, I saw on your Instagram that you're also doing Reiki. That's so exciting. Yes. So how did that all start? I mean, you talked about how when you were little, you were like yeah. doing it on your family. That's so cute. <laughs> Um, it actually, oh, I mean, it's still a new thing. I'm still, it's, it actually makes me quite emotional because it's so, um, it's such a beautiful thing that I've only just in the last six months or so realized I'm able to do. Um, and not Reiki as such, but it's this thing that can ha- that I can do with my hands. Um, I did the Reiki training to bring that out a little bit more, but I guess when I was a little girl, I would give my mum or my mum would be like, Liv, would you be able to like just tap my forehead? Because she knew that when I did that, her headache would go away. And I think at the time she made me feel like it was going to go away too. So I was like super, yes, I'm I'm healing your head. And um, my dad would get quite stressed. So I'd like tap his shoulders or give him a little massage. And at the time I just thought it was normal. And I had completely forgotten about that. But um when I did my Reiki training about a year and a half ago, I started to do this again. Um, I'd always been called to firstly go and see Reiki healers, have be, be healed by them, but also to do this training. So I started and then I practiced on my friends and my family and then started to practice on people I actually didn't know. Um, 
my friend and I hosted a, a yin and reiki class a few weeks back and there was about 25 to 30 people in that class that I didn't know and I was doing reiki healings on everyone. Um, and what I've seen over time is that I actually have this ability to be able to deliver messages to people through the Reiki. So my hands get um, kind of really hot and a lot of, I can feel that there are a lot of energy in my palms and I can feel it right now, even just talking about it. But what I can do is just feel into people's energy fields, help to heal and deliver messages. And it is a little bit more complex than that. Yeah. But um, the more I've learned about it, the more I feel like I'm called to do it. Yeah, because it can be quite a hard thing to explain. And and you can, like, there's... I like I'm all about this stuff. I did. I've only done my level ones, but you know, like we're very open minded here, so you can talk about these things. But I think explaining to some people, like they just don't really understand. They're like, "What? Like, what does that mean?" But like, energy healing is a thing. Like, uh, I mean, not everyone's gonna be into it, but a lot of us respond really well to it. I know I have, and obviously you have as well. Mm. And it's something that can really help when you're going through like lots of different situations. So. So now you're actually going to start like having like practicing on people professionally. Yeah, um, every Monday I have a room over in Oraki that I use. So yeah, I've started taking clients and um, actually booked up for the next like month at the moment, well done. which is pretty cool. Yeah, so unexpected, kind of like how you were just saying about just starting and not really knowing where it's going to go, no. but know that it's the right thing at the time. Um, yeah, it's really taken off which is which is just so cool it's just a different form of giving back than what I have been used to so which is why I get quite emotional about it yeah super um from my truth um which is really rewarding so you got to a point where you've built up to this and now you've decided to sell off the business yeah um I I won't be doing it full time I've got a couple of other projects I'm working on but it's something that I really want to do long term um kind of 50 50 with my other stuff yeah, so you'll be doing um, your Reiki and then your other projects that you have. Mm. Oh, cool. That's so exciting. Um, are they in food industries or? Um, it's so I started actually about a year ago. <laughs> I started coaching women uh, in business who either want to start a business or are already in business and just wanting some guidance. And through that, I've also, it's also organically grown to include uh, marketing and uh, social media consulting to bigger companies. So I do a bit of both. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Like, yeah, you're doing so many things. It's so cool. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, and so it's been yeah, a big process of change, obviously. Has that been quite scary? Um, it, I think it pro- – when I decided that I wanted to actually make a change, it was about eight months ago. So it's been a, kind of a gradual process. Um, it's felt fairly natural, obviously – um, really sad to be selling the business but at the same time I think it was ready um, for it to go to the next level and I have um, taken it from like a baby seed and turned oh, it into a plant. honestly you've turned it into like it, what you have done is absolutely incredible <laughs> like you literally started making cakes at night time like while you were still studying in someone else's kitchen and now it's like like you've got different stores, like that's huge to be able to do that in six years. And as like a what 20, 22 year old starting doing that, honestly, that's huge. Like you're going to have, yeah. And it's so cool that you can help other people with their businesses as well, because I guess 
you are like really clever at it and you'll be able to help them consult from, you know, that's another thing you could definitely do. So mm, yeah. yeah. It kind of felt like it was at a point where I actually wanted to start giving back and helping people to create whatever it is they wanted to create. Or yeah. Really, or offer if there was anything that I could help to help um, grow their business, then I was so happy to offer that in any capacity. Do you think as well, I don't know if this is like this for you, but you probably, sometimes you get to a point with something and I maybe this happened with the raw kitchen and you, you did everything you wanted to do with it. And like, it was just probably felt like the same thing you were doing over and over again. Not that that's a bad thing <laughs> because I feel like that sometimes and you're like, Oh, I, I could be doing something more or something else, you know, like, yeah. Is that what it kind of felt a little bit like for you? I think it was half of that. Um, I, I think even if I was going to run it until I was 50, I'd still have tons of ideas all the time and want to keep growing it and reinvesting in it and all of that. But I think also I realised that I was, um, had, having been with the business for all my 20s almost, yeah. <laughs> um, I was sort of like, you know, actually, is there something else that I want to be doing more than this? And if it is, what is it? Is it enough for me to sell the business? And I had a really long, you know, probably couple of months to think about it seriously and think, do I want to grow this to be even bigger or do I want to hand it over to someone else to do that and just kind of leave it and so I can focus on these next steps for myself? And that is what it was going to be. Yeah. But even a, even a few months before that, my plan was to grow the business to even more stores and continue along that path. But I just had to really check in with myself and figure out what, what it was I really wanted. Yeah, and it, I mean, we can do incredible things, but there's only so much we can do at a time. So if you are to do that and level it up even more that, that you wanted to, as well as doing coaching and like, you know, the business coaching and then your Reiki, it's just like you, you can't do too much because you're just going to burn, even though we want to be able to do all those things, <laughs> you're just like, you won't be able to, you'll just burn yourself out and you won't be able to do everything to the level you probably want to do, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And so with the coaching, are you, are you mostly seeing women, did you say? It has naturally just been women. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably the type of businesses that gravitate towards me as a coach, but um, not in saying that, that I would not help work with a man. Um, it just so happens. And even with the marketing um, and social media company, that people that I'm working for um, are very woman wellness beauty focused. So, I mean, I'm not open. Not, no, not, not open. <laughs> it sort of just happens like that. I think all the time people like vibe with the person and especially it's so funny, isn't it? Like even though something will be a business, you'll end up vibing with the person who has that business and what they're about. And you're like, oh, no, I really like them. So I'm going to go to them for this, you know? Yeah, totally. And so you kind of attract lots of like-minded people. You do, and you don't have to talk about this at all, but you do see um, uh, Gaia who is on this podcast like every month. And so – you know, she's incredible. I know that from seeing her as a regular client as well. Has she really, she must have really, I mean, you've done all this yourself, but I know it's really good. I know for myself, it's really good having her or someone like that in your life to really help you, especially guide you through these huge changes you're making for yourself. Because it can, like, even though it's really exciting and, you know, like, it's really cool when you're doing these cool things, it can, like, sometimes your body or just your mind is just like, oh, God, and so you need a little bit of, you know, you need someone to help you a bit, and there's nothing wrong with doing that. Absolutely. I love Gaia. Yeah. <laughs> Big fan. She, I, I think, I've only been working for, with her for about a year now, um, seeing her as a, as a client, but I think 
And I totally believe in timing and whenever you see a healer or anyone who works with energy, it's always at the perfect moment for you. And I always come away from Gaia thinking, okay, everything is good. You do need sometimes reassurance, mm. I think, that you're on the right path um, or maybe someone to to say, it's okay, this is all all lining up perfectly for you. Um, I can see that this is just going to be expansive for you, and you just need someone to kind of go, yeah, you've you've got this. This mm, is perfect. Yeah. Um, don't worry about that. Everything's going to be okay there. And and she's yeah, she's amazing like that. She's incredible. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And everyone everyone who's listened to this podcast is like always wanting to see her, and she's like she's so booked out now. It's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, that's so cool. I'm pleased that you. Yeah, she's yeah. worth the wait. She's de- yeah, definitely worth the wait. Yeah, mm. definitely. Um, what are some, so you've talked about your self-care practices and like sort of things you're doing, but like, has it been a journey to work those out? I mean, you did work out the, a lot of it when you were only 20. Yeah. Well, I feel like with self-work comes a lot of um, release and kind of processing, uh, not negative things, but old things. There's a lot of, it's kind of uh, quite not tiring, but um, can be quite draining mm. self work. It can be quite like it can be quite. Um, even though you know it's really good, I can often it can be really uncomfortable. It can be, and you can just feel like, oh yuck, this isn't. And but it, it does pay off eventually. But I know even like sometimes after going to see Guy or just whatever self work it is, you often feel like quite. You're like, oh god, here we go. Like you know the. Gotta go there. You know that because yeah, I've been sort of actively doing a lot of self work for like the last decade, or maybe even more, like seeing healers and doing different things. And yeah, it is really cool, but it's like it's it can be quite intense. Like afterwards, you're like, oh, what have I done? You know, like totally yeah. open the can of worms. Yeah, you're like, oh no, maybe I should just leave that there, which you definitely shouldn't. But um, yeah, how have you handled those times when maybe it's a bit uncomfortable with the self-work? Oh, man. I think it never is easier. I think it's always uncomfortable. Um, I think I've learned to recognise the uncomfort is because of that, is because of when you're wanting to expand or um, release old emotions or trauma or anything, you actually do have to go there and unlock it, like recognise it, Um and that brings up old emotions. You get triggered, you kind of can be, you feel sad or angry or stressed by it. And I think now after doing it for also a long time, I recognise that that's what it is and know that it's not my current environment. It's not because something in my life right now is uncomfortable. It's just from that work uh, that it releases things that you have to work through. And then, mm. And it is worth it sometimes it feels like it's not worth it and you just want to keep it all down there and just like pretend it's not there. But, um, yeah, sitting in that discomfort does lead to, um, miracles and discoveries about yourself and, um, a greater sense of self. And, um, yeah. What have been, if you don't mind sharing, what have been some of those things that you have had to sort of really had to dig deep and sort of learn to overcome? Mm. I think for a long time I had this, um, feeling that I was always stuck so and it wasn't until working with a um, personal coach that she she kind of brought this up for me but it was like stuck maybe um, in a situation with someone or stuck 
in a physical location, like maybe in my house or stuck in a dynamic or a stuck in a relationship or anything. It was just kind of cropping up in little areas. And um, once she brought that to attention, I was like, you know what, you're right. And we figured out that it had come from a childhood situation of feeling um, I can't remember what it was now, maybe it was like stuck in, in the car while mum was at the supermarket or stuck somewhere. I can't remember, but we figured it out this was a thing. And so we had to go there, um, back to my childhood, talk through the experience, um, change my thoughts around it. I wasn't stuck. I was actually okay. I was safe. Um, I was cared for. I was loved. And then and then miraculously, like as life went on, that stuck feeling wasn't there anymore and those situations changed. Mm. So I think that um, those blocks that are there are always an indication to something that you haven't quite processed or have some sort of negative emotion around. I always think if I'm feeling triggered or if something is coming up for me, if someone is um, triggering me in an environment is something that I need to look at within and figure out why that's going on. Mm. Yeah, I know what you mean. I've sort of, I, I have that happen from time to time too. And you, and it can bring up old feelings and emotions and you're like, uh Oh, like you thought you'd work through it. And maybe it means that, I don't know, it's hard to work out, isn't it? Maybe it means that you haven't quite fully worked through it, but that's just life, you know, like, but yeah, I definitely know what you mean. And I, that definitely makes sense to me. Cause yeah, until I think as well, until you deal with things, that it's going to keep happening over and yeah. over and over again. The same situation will keep happening mm. until you, like my dad always says, like, see the red flags, you know, like, and if you ignore the red flags, well, then, you know, that's cool. Like, you're allowed to do that. But, you know, you're going to have to keep learning the same lesson. And you, yeah. and you, if you choose to ignore a warning, but it, yeah, it's, it's okay. Like, I guess it's a really hard thing to talk about it because it's so complicated and there's so many different things that happen. But I think, um, yeah, like you can learn from these lessons. And once you deal with things, since when you've learned to deal with these things that have come up or things you've had to work through, what does that mean for you, like going forward? Because I know that it can mean really great things. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think it's a huge one for relationships, as, especially because Pete, that, that one person is one person you are with most of the time. And they're like, our, it's they're our biggest mirror always. So I know with, um, with me now having learned a little bit more about um, kind of clearing away old limiting beliefs and blocks and, and how that plays into relationships. Now I know that if something crops up and triggers me um, in a relationship, not, not even a romantic relationship, it could be a friendship or anything, um, to not necessarily immediately think that it's that person that's doing something wrong. Um, and to go, okay, so sh they just said that thing and it really triggered me. Why is that? And then, you know, there's there's a bit of a process when you step back and you're like, oh, I just noticed that it also happens in this relationship. I wonder why it's coming up over there. And then you go back a little bit further and you're like, I wonder. So the, those two things relate to that thing that happened to me when I was five um, where I was bullied in the playground about how um, I, ha I had funny shoes on or something like that, you know, and it, yeah. and it tr triggered this emotion in me and I thought that to be true about myself. And now that I've thought that that's been true about myself my whole life, it's been showing up in other areas, which is why we get triggered by um, little things. 
I don't know if that makes no, sense that, completely. No, that, that does make sense. That was kind of what I was meaning, but it just took me a while to get it out there. Like, what would be some advice? I think you're a good person to give this. Like, to, you know, people, it's hard because, you know, people say, oh, don't give in to peer pressure or whatever. But, you know, people, it can be hard when you're in a social situation or your friends are doing certain things and and maybe you decide you don't want to live the same lifestyle as them. Um how would you, and I have girls message me like that. Sometimes they're like, you know, what should I do? I don't really want to drink. I get, you know, I get, we call it anxiety, the hangover anxiety, like it's not really working with me. What would be your advice to people who are wanting to basically live their life and live what they're meant to do and not be too worried about other people and, and how it fits into social situations? Mm. How would you suggest that people can, you know, stick true to themselves and know that it's going to be okay and not worry about not fitting in so much. I think it's actually realising why, what your why is. So if you're, if you're, and, and to be honest, it never gets easier. I think as you get older, even now at 27, the same group of friends are still going out and getting drunk and doing all these exciting things and, and still feeling unwell the next day. But it's about your why. So figuring out, is, do you want to go out to... I mean, do you want to stay home in order to build a better relationship with yourself so you feel better tomorrow morning when you wake up so you can do all those things on your Sunday or on your Saturday that are going to help you to live a healthier, better, happier life? That's your why. And I think remembering that on those nights and when you're maybe feeling a bit of FOMO um, or you see some photos of your friends that have gone out and think, damn, that looks really fun. I feel like I should have gone. But you just have to come back to your why of, it's because I am investing in myself and my time and my my body and my health. And there's nothing more important than that. Um, and in saying that, it is also about balance. So to do make sure you have fun and it's not about restricting yourself. And I think that's a really important point to make is it's not about no longer having fun, no longer going out like at all. It's about choosing the times you do because you're investing in yourself, because coming back to your why, you are doing it to live a happy, healthy life. Um, and I think if you remember that on those nights in, then you'll feel at peace with it or you'll feel happy for your friends that they've gone out and had fun or you'll feel happy when you see that photo and think that's cool they had that great night and I'm really happy that I decided to invest in myself. Yeah, definitely. And like once you start, once you get used to doing it, it's like I couldn't think of, I love staying at home and like totally. it's so nice. <laughs> like it's fun to go out and do things with your friends, but yeah, like you just get used to it. And I think it's just tapping into what is best for you and your body and you know, and when you feel good, like, I don't know, like life is hard when you feel crap, you know, yeah. like it's really hard when you're tired and just like, you know, but mentally foggy or whatever. So, mm. hey, thank you so much for your time, Olivia. Thank you. That was incredible. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Self Love Club podcast. Please subscribe for more episodes and catch up on eps you may have missed. Reviews and sharing the Self Love Club with your friends and on your Instagram stories helps so much in spreading the self love message to others who may need it. To keep up with the Self Love Club, you can find me at Belle Crawford on Instagram, plus our new account at Self Love Club Podcast. It's just a little baby, so go give it a follow. Some serious, empowering stuff going on there. Serious. Serious, Snape. No, actually, seriously. Plus, you can check out my website, bellcrawford.com, for the Self Love Club resources and blog posts too. And a big thanks to our audio engineer, Nick Baldwin. We've got heaps of boss babes coming up to empower you through the rest of 2019 with weekly episodes available each Monday morning. Catch you soon, babes. 
Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.